people lined up to give testimonies today. So um, I'll just wait one moment. But, um, you know, while Pastor Gary was away, during the week I thought, now, I've got to get out of my boat too. And I keep saying about our neighbours, how we um, all need to go find out who our neighbours are. So um, this week I thought, okay, I'm going out, knocking on some doors and I um, invited some of my neighbours over, some of the ladies yesterday afternoon and we had a fantastic time. There was a couple that couldn't come so I've got their number and I'm going to go back and, um, yeah, do a connection. So it was just a small little start but... um, yeah, I mean, how many of us, all we seem to do is if we're out the front garden, we might see cars drive past from our neighbours, we might give a wave, but we hardly ever get to speak to anybody anymore because everyone is so, so busy. But, yeah, all it does, I mean, like I told uh, um, the VIP huddle this morning, God says in his word, seek first me. <laughs> So before I open the door to go out, of course, I seek God. I said, Lord, I need you. Because <laughs> I, I don't know these people. I know you you know these people. But seek God first and then, yeah, you never know what will happen after that. So with our um, first testimony today, we're going to hear from Andy McCarthy. So give him a hand as he comes up. Thank you, Pastor Jane, and thank you for the opportunity. In my 61 years now on this mortal coil, there's a few things I can look at that I've completed. I've completed my working life, 44 years, my married life, 35 years, and being a carer for five years. In all that time, I've got to say, there was too often when I just fitted Christianity in. I wasn't always the best Christian. As Jane said, I didn't always seek ye first the kingdom of God because I was busy. This left me with a set of beliefs that I'm going to call knowledge, and I'll come back to that. What happened to me? Back in 2006, which is when Jackie and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, I noticed, being closest to her, the onset of Alzheimer's, just forgetting this, forgetting that. And I knew there was no way back. We had to start contemplating a new life, which turned out to be in Strathalbyn, and I had to contemplate a new job as a carer after 33 years at the ABC. What followed was four wonderful years with Jackie, where I could put her as the centre of my life. In Christmas 2015, it was the start of really serious injury, where she would end up not being able to walk, use her hands, incontinent, had to be fed. She just got sicker and sicker, and sicker. It was a horror 2016, when my role as a carer got harder and harder and harder. December in 2016 was my worst month. I took her to a doctor's appointment early in December, and she never came home. She never came back to the house that we built. Shortly after that, we celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary and her 70th birthday. It was a really joyous occasion in Strath, but the people 
that came along, all of those people knew what it was. It was more than a birthday. It was more than an anniversary. It was a goodbye. I went on alone. I had two little dogs. I love Cocker Spaniels, Bentley and Fallon, that I'd bred, and I dearly loved them. They both died at Christmas time, eight days apart, and I was shattered. I was heartbroken. Little did I know that three months later, my friend Tommy, who's a breeder, would give me a little dog who became known as Fergus. All of my Facebook friends will be familiar with Fergus. He's the most photogenic family member. He was born on Christmas Day. Born on Christmas Day. What a coincidence, if you believe in coincidences. It was in January that I found a home for Jackie at Woodside. Wonderful people who looked after her. And she went to be with Jesus on the 29th of April. Just the worst day. We had a funeral here a few days later. And then the day after that, I was told that my mother went into palliative care. She died just 18 days after Jackie. So I went into it. I got back to Adelaide after that from Brisbane, I should point out. And really went into a bit of serious depression. I had an argument with a family member and I just didn't have the resilience to do much. What I've come up with, our society tends to deny death. We say, he saved my life. I like to use a musical story because I'm a musical guy. That's what Waylon Jennings said when he got taken off the plane on what we now call the day the music died and replaced with Buddy Holly, Richie Valens and the Big Bopper. His life wasn't saved. His life was prolonged for what turned out to be 40 more years. Only Jesus can save. Acts 4.12 said, There is salvation in no other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we can be saved. I've come up with a couple of definitions. I said I'd get back to knowledge. Knowledge, a familiarity, awareness or understanding of something such as facts, information or skills which is acquired through experience, education by perceiving, discovering or learning and certainty, perfect knowledge that has total security from error or the state of being without doubt. This is what this experience has taught me. 1 Corinthians 13, 10 to quote the famous scripture again. For our knowledge is imperfect and our prophecy is imperfect. But when the prophecy comes, the imperfect will pass away. There were many, many examples of this where I was at the coalface of what God was doing. What I believed really didn't seem to matter much to God because he was getting on with business anyway. Jackie and my mum's strength and courage was incredible and I just hope that I can be as brave. In our connect group, we've been talking with Tony and Kathleen. I've got to mention them. It's great to be in a connect group if you're not in one. We've been talking about Desmond Doss, the conscientious objector who went to war in the Pacific on the island of Okinawa. He was the subject of the film Heartbreak Ridge. Without a gun, only his religious beliefs, he saved 72 men that night on Heartbreak Ridge and ended up with the Congressional Medal of Honour. Where did Desmond get his strength? I think from the same place I did. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God, and the peace that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So now I'm certain, perfect knowledge, it's now what I know versus what I believed. Remember, it passes all understanding. And what do I have to look forward to? 2 Timothy 4.8 says, this is Paul when he was contemplating the end of his time on earth. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. So, church, be kind and understanding to those who are grieving. It's going to be most of us in our lifetime, probably all of us. Make our church a place where the wounded can feel welcome. We're not as resilient as we appear. And we don't have the the power to fight back. So seek certainty and not just knowledge. Thank you. That's great. Now, if you do want um, prayer for anything that Andy has said, after Chelsea gets up, because they've got a similar sort of story, um, we're gonna, I'm going to get them both up to pray, okay? So, Chelsea, I'll, we'll welcome Chelsea now. With Thank you. Okay. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to express my gratitude to both Gary and Jane for a beautiful opportunity to talk about God's presence and confirmation through mum's dementia battle. My prayer is this story will stir your faith and bring God honour. I'll never forget the day I received a phone call from Dan at work to reveal mum had been given a dementia diagnosis by her GP. My world stopped. I had a lump in my throat and my hands were sweaty and I knew in my heart that my life and faith would never be the same ever again. I knew this experience would be the making of me. There'd be many times I'd I'd get in the car, pull into an empty parking lot, cry a river of tears until I had a dehydration headache, which is actually a thing if you haven't had enough water, and ask God how on earth this could happen to me at age 33. And I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me through his word. Psalm 46 verse 1 in the Amplified Version of the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable, a very present and well-proven help in times of trouble. And in Hebrews 6.19, Paul's talking about our faith. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. How true that turned out to be. And thus begun the many times God revealed himself to me through this experience. Mum's dementia was aggressive. In fact, it was given its own term by medical professionals, rapid onset dementia, which means it happens very quickly. She went from being a fully functioning human being to bedridden in a nursing home in less than six months. Looking back, I'm still in complete shock as to how quickly this turned out to be the case and how quickly her downfall was. I've spoken to many GPs after this experience to gain clarity and insight as to how quickly a person can um, fall victim to this disease. At the start of mum's journey, I had complete faith that she would be healed. I prayed and prayed and prayed until I couldn't pray anymore. We even anointed mum with oil and then God told me very clearly, I will heal your mum by taking her home to be with me in a, in a short space of time. 
This was confirmed to me the very next day when a lady from my church who didn't know me very well came up to me and said, the Lord wants you to know that, that he'll bring healing by taking her home to, to heaven quickly. One day I was in complete distress as I realised that my mum wouldn't be around for uh, important days in my life such as my wedding day and she'd never meet my future kids. I felt, I actually said to God, this is really unfair, how could this happen? And he said to me, your mum will have the best seat in the house watching these amazing events unfold. Thanks guys. The very next day, a friend of mine came up to me and said the exact same thing. The Lord wants me to tell you that your mum will have the a VIP seat watching on in the grandstands of heaven. And Paul talks about this in Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance and persistence the race that is set before us. And I did a bit of research and what the cloud of witnesses refers to people that have gone before us in the faith of mum being one of those people. Many times mum would tell me how scared she was of death and dying. I'd see the fear in her eyes and could tell that this was very real for her. Dad and I would lay hands on her and we'd pray and speak God's, God's truth over her life and she'd fall asleep instantly. This was such a display of God's power in such a dark time. Perhaps the most significant display of God's presence was a pulling that I received from the Holy Spirit to tell mum two days before she died that it was okay to go home. I sat on the floor of the nursing home, held her hand, told her how much I loved her and that Jesus would come back for her very soon. At that moment, her dementia stopped in a moment of clarity and she said, I hope this comes soon. This was incredible indeed, considering her, she, was, she hadn't been in a space to really comprehend things like that a few days before the end of her life. What I'd like to leave you with is that we can trust God in our deepest pain and hour of need. And he promises in Isaiah 61 verse 3, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, a festive praise instead of despair. And I'd like to say thank you very much for listening. Amen. Okay, so if anybody um, felt like you know, they wanted to grab hold of something that either Andy or Chelsea said. Um, I'll get these two just to pray. So, I mean, you can stick your hand up and, yeah, and say, yeah, I'll take that um, as they're praying. So, Sure. Cool. So, um, I'd like to, to take a moment to pray. So, here we go. Father, thank you in your word that your says that your word says that even though morning endures for a night, joy comes in the morning. And I thank you, God, that your word says that you that you will swap our our ashes for your beauty. 
Father God, I thank you that we can trust you when we're uncertain and when we're afraid. Just like Peter, when, when you asked him to come to you and he saw the waves and he didn't know how it was possible until he, until he had faith that he could walk on water as well. And Father God, I just pray for all the, your people in this room right now. Lord, for those people that are hurting, I thank you, Jesus, that you've given us the ability to overcome. Your word says that we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us and that nothing could ever separate us from the love of God. And we thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. And Lord, in our busy lives, give us time to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Give us the wisdom to put you first, Lord. And, um, and we thank you for all the confirmations that we received through this experience and that we've been changed. And when we went into that room where Jackie had been taken with the Lord, it was just hard to describe. We saw the Lord's work firsthand and we just thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for being there always and upholding us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you. So that was, um, yeah, probably a little bit of a difficult situation that they had to face. But So next we're going to hear Frances. So let, let's make Frances welcome. So don't forget if there's anything that Frances has to say um, and you think, okay, I'm going to grab that. I mean, you can grab that, but... Um, We'll pray after and, um, yeah, okay? Thank you. Just got to take a breath. Oh, okay, that was pretty powerful. Um, and Andy pinched my scripture because I wanted to use the past, peace that passes all understanding. So I had the, I had the same scripture, but that's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so my name is Frances and I've been coming along to Infuse Church for 12 months and it's been fantastic. I'm talking today about the brain tumour that I had. Um, I had symptoms as early as 2003 in Darwin, where we lived at the time. The symptoms included double vision, dizziness, blurriness of the eye. I felt electrical pulses running through my body and thought I had a blocked tear duct. I went to two doctors and they said it was just a virus. I also went to an optometrist who tested my eyes and said my vision was perfect. In 2005, we moved to Adelaide and I still had symptoms. So I prayed. I remember being at my workplace and I'm thinking, I'm not putting up with this anymore. And I prayed and asked God to heal me of whatever the cause was. And the symptoms left me never to return. I did have some deficits after the operation, um, which was caused from the operation. In 2006, but they never returned. Um, in 2006, I had a CAT scan as I had a lump on my neck. The lump was gone, but they found the brain tumour. Um, after further investigations and an MRI, I spoke to a neurosurgeon at the Royal Adelaide Hospital and he couldn't believe I could walk normally. And after doing tests, he believed that I didn't have any symptoms. I had a tumour the size of a golf ball wrapped around the nerves running to my right eye. He was amazed that I was okay. <laughs> The tumour wasn't an issue until the beginning of 2008 when I had a regular checkup 
and it was discovered that the tumour had grown considerably by one centimetre. Two neurosurgeons told me that if it was, it was imperative that I have it removed and if I didn't, I would have a stroke and die. The neurosurgeon who did the operation uh, told me that he had returned from a conference in Cam Canada where he had seen the same type of tumour and the life expectancy on average was just two years. So reluctantly, because I was stubborn, in late 2008, I had the surgery. It went for 12 hours. Before the operation, my sister asked me, she said, aren't you scared? And I realised at that point in time that I wasn't scared and I had the incredible peace and I knew it was the peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4.7, and it can only come from God. So the next day after the operation, the doctor came over to me and told me that he had definitely cut the third cranial nerve. He said, I know I did, but something happened. I don't know what. Your eye will make a full recovery as far as being able to lift your eyelid and you will be able to use your eye. I said, it's a miracle, and he agreed. One of my prayers was that I didn't want to lose my sight or have a deformed eye. I didn't know at the time, but he had just finished telling my daughter Leah that I wouldn't be able to lift my eyelid or use my eye again. She saw him walk towards me and she saw me open my eye, which thinking back makes me cry every time. I can't praise and thank the Lord enough for his protection, deliverance and the healing power of God and the miracles that take place in my life. Five years later, after a routine MRI, another secondary tumour was found. It was much smaller and further along. Um, uh, I went over to Sydney in January 2014 and had a one-high-dose treatment of radiotherapy. I was told that it would halt and stop the tumour from growing but was highly unlikely that it would disappear. Two MRIs later, back in Adelaide, the tumour was gone. Late last year, I had another MRI and it is definitely gone three years down the track. Um, okay. My prayer was, at the time, that it wouldn't be an issue in my life anymore and I could put it behind me. And praise, God, praise the Lord, he honoured my prayer. Amen. So that's it. And, yeah. Thanks, Francis. Are you sure you want me to do it? Yeah, you can do it. Okay. So... That was quite a powerful um, testimony there of God's grace and, ha and his power. Now, Frances says that she wanted me to pray. So I'm going to pray. And if anybody, yeah, heard anything there, just, yeah, just grab hold of it and God can work miracle in your life too, okay? Yeah, Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, for Frances, first of all, her, her courage to be able to stand up in front of, um, this group of people here and to be able to tell of what has happened in her life. And I thank you, Lord, the outworking presence of you, Lord, in her life. And I thank you, Lord God, that the testimony that she just spoke about is not just a one-of. It's not just for her, 
but it's for everybody here and even for people um, that people might know here. So it's for, for the wider community. And it, um, like in your word, we don't keep things for ourselves and we celebrate when things have happened for your good. And we thank you, Lord God, that your power, your power can touch anybody with any situation um, that was spoken about today. And I thank you, Lord God. It's like, yeah, if we seek you first and you can put that peace and that power into us and you can give us that reassurance that it's all okay. You are a miracle-working God and we thank you, Lord, for the victory. The victory is yours. And, the, yeah, we, we just um, celebrate and rejoice today because the victory is yours. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Francis. So now it is Sharon's turn. So give Sharon a warm welcome as she comes up today. So don't forget, we'll um, get Sharon to pray after a few. So if you want or hear something that you think, ah, oh, that's for me. Okay. Thanks, Jane. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to quote a scripture to start with from James 1, uh, 17. It says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from God. You know, scientists make new discoveries all the time. Cures for our diseases and, and much, much more that benefits us in this life. But, you know, God originated them. He's the one who gives them the ideas and the thoughts he places in the minds of the men and women to discover these things and they can benefit us as Christians. Um, God uses all sorts of things to, uh, from this world to benefit us while we're here. Um, but, you know, first and foremost, I place my confidence in God. He's the one I go to first. He's my healer. He's the great physician. He's the great scientist. And it's all written in his word. And, um, you know, as long as it doesn't go against God's word, then God will use it. And his ways are higher than ours. So we don't always understand why God will do something one way and not the way we expect sometimes. Uh, his ways, his thoughts are higher than ours. Now, 43 years ago, I used to live with a young girl um, who was into the drug scene. And she was a nurse. She worked in an old folks' home. And um, she encouraged me to get into that scene as well. So we, we sat around smoking a lot of pot <laughs> and popping a lot of pills. And, uh, but she also would shoot up heroin with used needles. She would get from her um, uh, the old folks' home where she was working. Now, as a result of that... Um, one night we went to a party and she encouraged me to try the heroin, which I did, very first and last time ever, uh, with a used needle. And so because of that, when I went on IVF years later, they did tests for hepatitis A, B and C and I got a call from the specialist saying, uh, we've discovered that you're hep C positive. So I was carrying this around in my system for a number of years, wondering why I always got so tired of a day. And um, so I was put on to a specialist 
And he did a, a liver biopsy, which came up... Actually, he was amazed that it was quite okay, considering I'd had this in my system. And he also rated me as a genotype 1, which is apparently the, one of the worst ones you can have, because then that can develop into cirrhosis of the liver. So he, he um, suggested I do some treatment. Um, and at that time, um, you know, I was going through menopause, so... <laughs> With all the side effects that it had, um, there was about 20 or so side effects. There was only 40% chance of getting that out of my system and being completely cured. And um, it would have had to have been for a year-long treatment, which would have been very taxing on the body. And a lot of people apparently just would opt out because they couldn't handle it. Um, so for the next few years, I continued to have liver function tests every three or four months, and sometimes they'd come up kind of okay. Other times they'd come up really high. And, but I realised that it was getting progressively worse. And as I said, it could develop into cirrhosis of the liver. Um, now, I always believed that God could heal me. But as I said, he does things differently sometimes than what we expect. And he will use other sources and other means. Um, so last year, I heard about this new treatment for hepatitis C, and it was called Harvoni. And the government had funded it, and so people like myself who aren't working at the moment could, you know, pay uh, $5.60 a course of tablets for a month instead of $23,000 for one month's supply of tablets. And that's what it would have cost me if I wasn't covered by the government. So I thank God for that. Um, and I prayed about it and I really felt God say to me, I want you to go ahead with that because you are going to have a successful outcome with it and you're going to be completely rid of the hepatitis C in your system. So I went on the course of tablets for uh, 12 weeks. At eight weeks I had a test done and then at 12 weeks I had a test and I got a call when I was out one day saying that the hepatitis C was completely out of my system. And then they said, well, you must probably need to have another test in another 12 weeks because sometimes it can regenerate. And I thought, no, that's not going to happen. God's told me differently. So in 12 weeks' time, I had the other test and it came back completely negative. And I just want to thank God for that today because, as I said, you know, he does things differently and not always in the way that we expect. When I had Sam, like when I went on the IVF program, I wanted my own biological child. That didn't happen. But God gave me a beautiful son and I'm just so proud of him and I feel so blessed. And I don't care. You know, I carried him, I fed him and um, I got to experience all those things as well as being a mum at the end. And so I thank God that, you know, I don't complain about how God does things anymore. I really don't. So thank you, Lord. Yeah, if anybody, you know, wanted to grab hold of anything there, Sharon's going to pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for your healing power, Lord, when you do it directly for us. But I also thank you, Lord, that sometimes you do things a different way. Lord, you will always make a way where there seems to be no way. And Father, we don't always understand it. But I pray for those out there today, Lord, who are struggling with maybe the way... 
um, things aren't happening in their lives or things they've been praying for, Lord, I just pray that you will cause them to see things the way you see them, Lord. And Father, you will bring a miracle into their life, Lord, for their circumstances. No matter how you do it, Lord, you will give them that miracle, Father. And Lord, you'll build up their faith in you, Father, to believe for those things and not to give up, not to give up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Sharon. Right, now I'd like to welcome up Shane. And so give Shane a warm welcome as he comes up. Thank you. Uh, mine's a little bit different. Uh, I had uh, a moment where I had a, a little bit of re um, revelation knowledge. Uh, who, who enjoys that moment when you, you've learned something and you think you've mastered it or got it and then God takes you deeper in the, the, the understanding of something. So uh, as I was getting deeper in this, this knowledge, I, I really felt it was a, a word to bring uh, to us here at Infuse. Uh, particularly as we are um, heading into a, to a new direction. And uh, it started with a moment where a few weeks ago, um, a colleague I, I work with, his father passed away and went to, uh, to support him as he grieved his father at a, a funeral. It happened to be in Port Wakefield. Uh, so it was a lovely drive out there early on a Saturday morning. Uh, nice drive back. Um, but uh, he was a part of the bowling club uh, there and uh, they made a decision that they would do the the funeral in the the bowling club. Uh, so I got there about ten minutes before it started, and the bowling club was already full, and there was about 150 people standing out on the greens uh, listening to what was happening. And um, I was listening to the, the, uh, the, the guy running the, the the minister running the uh, the ceremony, and I gee, his voice is really familiar. And then he uh, introduced himself a little bit later on and uh, he was actually uh, a minister who led me to faith. Uh, and I was actually led to faith at an Easter camp here in Mount Barker uh, where I would come and live a number of years later. Um, but one of the things I've always appreciated about it, this particular uh, gentleman is that he, he's an evangelist at heart and uh, he, he shares the message uh, of the gospel and um, a little bit into this funeral, he, he began to share uh, um, the gospel. He shared uh, in light of this funeral that, uh, that Jesus uh, is going to prepare a place uh, for this gentleman that had, had passed and was referring to the, the passage where, uh, you know, my house has many rooms and I'm going to prison. And I was thinking, this is fantastic. And uh, around me, there were uh, probably five or six people that were probably late 60s, early 70s, I'm not being ageist, um, but uh, halfway through the, the gospel message, one of the guys in a fairly loud voice uh, turned to the people around him and said, what the, f insert the word that you think might fit, what the, f has this got to do with anything? And proceeded to have a grumble and, um, you know, took up subscribers to his grumbling uh, that there was no place for this in, in a funeral. And I was a little bit staggered uh, by that and I didn't know whether to jump in and defend Jesus at that point or um, <laughs> cause a scene or, or, or whatever it was. But it, this, this actually troubled me, um, you know, quite, 
I wanted to remind him that in a few years he might be headed in the same direction and, you know, is he, is he certain of where he's intending to go? Or, uh, but, um, it, like I said, it, it, it troubled me. And on the way home, uh, and who, who loves freeway or highway driving, especially by yourself, no kids in the car, it's peaceful. You know, it's just this open heaven. Um, but uh, open hell in the back seat. No. Uh, um, on, the, uh, on the way back, I, I just felt God quicken my heart again that um, the parable of the sower and that um, that minister had sown seed in that message. And uh, it, it, it led me back to something I'd heard uh, Pastor Bill Heibel share uh, quite some time ago. But I had this, this clear picture again that this minister was sowing the seed. And that seed was, some of it was going to fall on the road where the birds would come and eat it. Some of that seed's going to fall on the rocky ground where it's going to be scorched by the sun. Some of that seed's going to fall amongst the thorns where it's going to get strangled. And then a smaller portion is actually going to be fertile and grow to a harvest. And uh, I, I can remember um, Heibel's talking about the, the notion that uh, the mathematics behind it, that when the seed is sown, three out of four times, the seed is not going to have a return. But 25% of the time, the seed is going to have a return. And it was just that... that that notion again that I must have been standing in the wrong spot at that funeral. I must have been in the you know, the three quarters spot, and perhaps the anointing was closer inside to the, to where the, the the minister was. But uh, there was just that reminder again, the maths behind that parable, um, because I'd, I'd probably got to a stage where I was a little discouraged. Where sometimes we can, you know, take up the boldness to share a story or to share a word, and we get disappointed when nothing happens. And it was a, just an encouragement again. Uh, I guess you can look at it and say it's discouraging. Three quarters of the time you're going to lose. Uh, a quarter of the time you're going to win. Uh, but what Hybels went on to say was, in those scenarios, sow more seed. Sow more seed. And this word just kept coming around in my head and my heart again on the way home. The need to sow more seed. And thinking of Pastor Gary out four-wheel driving today... If that was just one opportunity, uh, the harvest is going to be quite small. But if he continues to four-wheel drive and build relationship, then there's actually an increased harvest. And it's the same for us uh, as well. And just thinking about the the mathematics behind it, 25% of 100, 25. 25% of 1,250. 25% of nothing is still nothing sow more seed. So that was my encouragement um, uh, to us. So uh, let me stop. Let, let me pray. Uh, Father God, we do thank you uh, for your word. I want to thank you uh, firstly for the, the men and the women, the people that sowed into our lives, that we have heard a gospel message, that we have heard of your goodness and your faithfulness and your love and your commitment to us, that you would send your son to die for us. We thank you for them. Father, we're thankful uh, that you have entrusted that gospel message to us, that you have given us uh, this call, and it is a great honour, Lord. We are your ambassadors. We have been entrusted with this gospel message to speak out. 
Father, I pray for, for boldness and I pray for courage. But Father, I also pray for persistence and for long-suffering as we know that uh, three out of four times there won't be a harvest. But Lord, if we sow more seed, we see more harvest. And Father, we pray uh, as we go into this new season that you would remind us of that in those difficult times uh, where perhaps we're not seeing the the impact or the return, um, that Father, you would uh, encourage us to sow more seed, knowing that there is a harvest. Pray these things now in your name. Amen. Sorry, just one last thing. Um, just just one last thing I thought I should sh- share. Just talking about that, the, the the sowing of seeds and that that picture again that when we plant a seed or a bulb, for those that like to plant bulbs, uh, the stages that it gets buried below the surface and we don't see growth. And the, the, the root of that seed begins to open up and it goes down deep before we ever see any growth pierce the surface and come forth. And even with those, those bulbs, I'm not a gardener. If anyone's into gardening, come to our house, we need it. Uh, but uh, but the, the, the life cycle of a bulb is that it, it will break forth and then we wait another season and it flowers and another season and it disappears again and it looks gone until it comes up again. And I just felt as we were praying that, um, that that was a word for someone as well, to continue to sow because often the growth is below the surface but there is something happening. So I'd leave that with you. Thank you. Thanks, Shane. And thank you, everyone. So, yeah, keep um, clapping and, yeah, um, clap for all those that gave their testimony today. Thank you, Hayley. You can start coming up. Now, um, Pastor Gary did say, now, yesterday he was getting a bit frustrated because there was no phone coverage out where he is. So um, I'm thinking, oh, the poor guy. I can just imagine how he'll be on the other end because, yeah, he he likes to hear my voice. (laughs) I like to hear his too. But, yeah, when things don't work right for him, it's like, (laughs) oh. But he did tell me that... um, even though he's he's um, done uh, gone to the four wheel drive club a few uh, for a f- quite a few months now, he hasn't told them anything like that he's a pastor or anything. But the subject did come up. I mean, because he he says, well, people ask you, what do you do for a job? And he goes, I can't lie. So of course, when he said that he was a pastor. There was um, a few conversations later in the day yesterday and, yeah, so I don't know what's um, happened today or even last night, but, but it's amazing, you know, how, how God works. And, you know, sometimes we can be a bit frightened to say that I'm a Christian, but sometimes people are wanting to hear that you're a Christian you know, they they are just waiting for you to actually come along because God arranged it all for you. You know, he's arranged divine appointments left, right and centre. But sometimes that's, again, where we need to seek God first in our, in our everyday. And then we'll be all ready, prayed up, um, read up and, yeah, full of God right first thing in the morning and to be able to go out and say, oh, okay, I see that you've got a bad back or, you know, or, but, and you can offer prayer. 
So um, next time we have our, our God Story Sunday, I hopefully that, you know, you'll be encouraged today to think about your testimony, you know, of something that's happened in your maybe a week or a month. But um, So next time we have our God Story Sunday, it'll be really encouraging to hear lots more, you know, great things that God is doing in people's lives. So thank you, Hayley, and we'll go out with a song.